You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. I'm your host, your pal in the Kitty Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today, we're going to talk a little more about edge rushers. We've been doing a lot of edge rusher talk on this show, but it's a difficult group to kind of parse and so it's just taking taking me a lot of talking it out to figure out kind of where I stand on a lot of these guys and I think for my top edge rushers at least I have it set down to kind of three players and there are a lot of edge rushers I could totally see going in the first round or high in the second or or something like that that are like plenty good prospects we're not going to talk about them today I want to focus in on these three guys that I think are the ones most commonly mocked in like the top 20 they're the only uh three edge rushers on in consensus on Arif Hassan's consensus board the first version of which is out now I'll, I'll, I'll be linking it in the show notes I will be referencing it a ton it's a really cool project and it's a really helpful way to kind of orient yourself around the class and in the top 20 or maybe top 20 there are three names, Quiddy Pay, Aziz Ajilari, and Jalen Phillips. Now, the Odyssey Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. I've been talking about it a ton on this show. It is a separate podcast feed where all of us Locked On NFL hosts got together and drafted for our respective teams. The Vikings were up at 14 this time, and I selected Quiddy Pay. Now, the uh, trade situation and who was on the board and all that stuff, go listen to that for like more information about the context informing that decision. But I chose Quiddy Pay, and I will tell you that both Ajilari Lari and Jalen Phillips were on the board. So all the edges that I could have wanted were on the board and I selected Quiddy Pay. Um, and I kind of wanted to defend that decision more. I, I won't talk about like, why didn't I take offensive line or, or a wide receiver or whatever, all that stuff. Go listen to the, the show itself where I talk more about who was who else was there. Uh, but in terms of actual edge rushers, I am kind of on these three. So I want to today break down these three in excruciating detail and kind of make a declaration for where I would take them. And fair warning, I am going to deviate significantly from consensus here, and I think I have good enough reasons to do so that you don't just have to, like, take me on faith and and have me tell you, hey, trust me, this player is as good or bad as I say they are, but rather kind of defend my case. And if you want to build a counterargument and, and engage with those points, then, you know, obviously have at it. So today I'm going to go over Ajilari, Jalen Phillips, Quidipe in that order, and then at the end we'll kind of talk about where I, I see them relative to each other and why in what I think is a fairly likely situation that, you know, at pick 14, all three of them are on the board, which ones I support taking at 14 versus should you try to trade down? Is it a reach? And like who I'm choosing over whom? So uh, let's start with Aziz Ajilari. And the reason I'm starting with him is because he's the guy that I am lowest on. And he's somebody that I think offers a lot less interesting analysis when compared to the other two who I think are superior prospects. So I have two main kind of facets of my evaluation of Aziz Ajilari. And the first one is more positive than negative, and it's that he has one unbelievably potent pass rush move. His strategy is always the same. He attacks your inside shoulder with a jab, then he attacks your outside shoulder with either a a club or like chop or something like that, or he'll kind of do a grab and twist, uh, some way to defeat your outside hand, 
And then uh, once he has your outside hand defeated and therefore has a path outside of you, he turns the corner and accelerates. Those are kind of the three steps of an Aziz Ajilari uh, pass rush. And it's very, very potent. He's very, very, very good at that particular set of moves. He will very rarely try to rush inside. He won't do any spin. He won't do a swim or anything like that. As a lengthy pass rusher, I would like to see more variety in those moves. But on the whole, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. The thing is, there are ways to counter that kind of strategy that can consistently work against Aziz Ajilari. If you have a lengthy tackle, this is uh, when I talked about Rashad Hill a, a week or two ago, um, this is the kind of thing that he can counter very well with his length. That's why they like his arm length so much and why arm length and tackles is such a talker right now because of rushers like Aziz Ajilari that try to utilize that length. Uh, I'm going to link in the show notes three videos from a guy named Vak Lombardi you may have heard of. He's a YouTuber and he does film breakdowns on YouTube. And I think they are very good and informative and, and also very easy to understand, which I think is important. And the way he puts it is sometimes he gets caught and he'll, he'll get caught in the first part of that move. He'll kind of try to long arm you and he has his, his chest open a little bit as he is kind of trying to put that jab into you. And if you have the length to counter, you'll get a, a good shock in on him and he doesn't exactly have a lot of bulk to be able to kind of hold up to that and once he gets caught he can get slowed down and that can really hamper his ability to get to the quarterback um he might be able to get like a cleanup sack here or there from there but for the most part that's going to win a lot of reps against Aziz Ajilari. Now, a lot of college tackles weren't able to do that, and NFL tackles will be able to do that a little bit more. So for Ajilari to be successful, I think he needs more variety in his pass rush moves. But I think, and I'm going to say something similar about Quiddy Pay, he can absolutely be an effective pass rusher in the NFL right now. But I would have concerns that over the course of some games, he could just kind of pull a disappearing act if that tackle has the goods to stop that particular move, unless he adds some variety. That's kind of the worry. The other thing is that Aziz Ajilari has absolutely no run defense. You have to build that from scratch. I'm going to talk about these guys like kind of like baking a cake. You have very good ingredients and maybe even a box mix. Some of it is put together for you. Some of the, the ingredients and ratios are measured out, but you still have to stir the batter, put it in the oven. You still have to do quite a lot of work. The problems in the run game are like numerous, and I want to be specific about them. Um, for example, you know, he'll get his head down and then he'll kind of miss out on the read. Sometimes the lack of bulk comes to bite him and he'll just get blown up by a tight end. You don't want a defensive end who can one on one with a tight end that gives the offense an advantage. And he's somebody that you can attack with option play or pin and pull kind of strategies, tools and, and play designs, schematic designs that are really, really common in the NFL, you can kind of direct straight at him. And so if I were an NFL coach, if I were a defensive coach, I would not feel comfortable putting Aziz Ajilari on the field in anything but obvious passing situations. If you put him in on first down, you're giving up a seven yard run on a pin and pull or an outside zone or even like an, an inside zone or something that, you know, runs through the B gap or runs through even the C gap because he didn't squeeze it properly or something that like traps him or gets him to come upfield. There's a lot of ways to attack him on first down and be able to get a five, six yard run like consistently. I would not feel comfortable exposing myself to that and giving the offense the opportunity to attack him in the run. The problem is there aren't a lot of downs that are obvious passing downs. So I think when Ajilari comes into the 
into the league, he's not going to be an every down player right away. For some teams, that's okay. There are some teams that are totally fine and can totally nurture that and have an edge rusher that's maybe getting old and out of the way. You know, the, if the Vikings took somebody like Ajalari three years ago when they still had Everson Griffin, but we weren't sure about his age, I think they would have been in a phenomenal place to nurture that and he would have been able to, you know, come take over after uh, Everson Griffin ages out and you would have been totally fine. Some teams, I absolutely love it. For the Vikings, I do not think that they are currently equipped to nurture a guy like Aziz Ajilari. It also betrays what it seems like they're trying to do with their defensive front with Pierce and Tomlinson, which is lighten the box and basically dare people to run at you. If you are daring people to run at a light box, but then you give them this guy with a target on his face like Aziz Ajilari, you're kind of betraying all the effort you did to make it so that your personnel could handle the the increased responsibility that you're going to put on them schematically. So for that reason, reason, I'm not going to say Aziz Ajilari isn't a first-round prospect in general. That's not what I think. But if I were the Vikings, I would not take him in the first round. I would let somebody else do it. And I certainly wouldn't pick him at pick 14. Now, I want to talk about two guys I would take at pick 14. That's Phillips and Pay. Uh, but first, I want to make sure you are all taking care of your car. It's rainy season, right? In uh, in a lot of places, it might even be snowy season still if, uh, you know, the weather gods still have one final middle finger up, up their sleeve. But if it's rainy out and your windshield is streaky, it might be because your windshield wiper blades are a little tattered, a little torn up. They can uh, get kind of uh, worn over time. If you want to replace those without having to replace the whole windshield. You take that to the dealership. They're going to say, oh, you got to replace the whole system. They're going to charge you out the nose for it. You can get a windshield wiper blade. Just measure it. Make sure you have the right length for like $3.21 at rockauto.com. And you can get all sorts of car parts there at a discount as compared to what you would get at a brick and mortar auto shop or a mechanic where they're going to upsell their retail customers. At Rock Auto, everybody pays the same price. So just enter your make, your year, and your model so you can make sure you're getting something that's compatible with your car. And Rock Auto's amazing catalog will go to work for you. And when you do buy something at rockauto.com at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, I'm going to have to go try out for the NFL. Tutu Atwell is about the same size as me, so I like my chances. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. The Locked On Podcast Network has all kinds of draft stuff going on. There is the Odyssey Mock Draft, which is kind of the gen- the genesis of this discussion. There is the Draft Dudes and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, which are both daily podcasts covering all things draft. Locked On NFL is talking about the draft right now. Of course, you can even go to other Locked On Team podcasts like Locked On Chargers or uh, Locked On Eagles to see what they're thinking about doing in the couple picks in front of the Vikings. You can get your fill of draft content on the Locked On Podcast Network. As for us, let's talk about a couple guys the Vikings could go for at pick 14. The next guy on the docket that I want to talk about is Jalen Phillips. And I've talked about Jalen Phillips quite a bit on this show. And I think with good reason, he's a very interesting prospect that has a a lot of different kind of facets to his game. There's the the medical and the off field and what he does do on field and all that stuff. And it it takes, I think, a nuanced approach to really get a good sense for what to make of Jalen Phillips, where you want him to go, and uh, ultimately what your expectations should be. And I, I think when it comes to a player with some sort of off field, be it like like a character issue like Micah Parsons or a medical issue like with Jalen Phillips, it gets really easy to forget about the on-field pros and cons and kind of get lost in this, what I'm going to call the if-only fallacy. This kind of if-only world where, man, he would just be the best prospect if he'd be perfect. He'd be everything you could possibly want and more with good athleticism and and great polish and all this stuff. He'd be phenomenal if only it weren't for this kind of uh, thing tugging at it in the background. 
And I, I think sometimes it can cause us to overrate what a player would be were it not for the off-field kind of tangential flaw that is going to pull them down draft boards. So I want to make sure we're not falling into that trap with Jalen Phillips. And if we come away really, really high on what Jalen Phillips is without the medicals, um, that you know we're doing so in earnest. So let's set the medicals aside and forget about them for a second, dive a little bit deeper into him on the field. And I haven't really gotten a chance to do this other than, yeah, he like seems like a really good prospect on the field in Miami. He, you know, that season was phenomenal. And the fact that he did play a whole 10 game season at Miami uh, is an important part of this for me too. If you want to know more about his concussions and his medical situation, I wrote an article about that, I think last week and uh, also did a show on that as well. You can go listen to, I'll link the article in the show notes. Um, but on the field, Jalen Phillips has an absolute ton to like. He has a lot of polish. He has a lot of really, really dynamic, natural pass rushing moves. These are things that he probably picked up, honestly, in high school and has been honing ever since. Um, He can kind of swim. He can uh, rush inside and outside. He can beat tackles on an island in a a number of ways, and they're all very compact and polished and tight and rehearsed. And uh, it's definitely one of those things where it kind of comes out of the box. If we're going to talk about the cake, this is a finished cake. This is a cake you buy at the grocery store. You don't have to do anything to it. You can just serve it. If I wanted to come up with negatives, you do have to nitpick quite a bit to like find them. Uh, He could use a little bit of extra bulk. Uh, You see a little bit of youthfulness when he's setting the edge. I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, He rushes a little tall. I'd like to see him kind of, uh, he can definitely bend around the edge just fine. Um, There's room to improve there, I guess. He gives up his chest sometimes. And these are all really, really small things, things that he doesn't actually have to fix to be a successful pass rusher in the NFL, there are things he could definitely improve upon and they would, you know, make him a better edge rusher in the NFL, but there are things that are not going to be prohibitive. And so for that reason, if we were to set the, uh, the, the medicals aside, I think just on what we've talked about so far without even getting into the run negatives, this is a guy that should probably be a top 10 pick. Again, if you set the medicals aside, we'd be talking about this guy, you know, maybe he falls to the Vikings, but he probably goes like sixth. Now, I think the problems that he does have in the run would sink that a little bit. I, I am going to say, I'm going to call it autopilot. Sometimes he goes on autopilot a little bit in the run. And, you know, if his job is to set the edge, he's going upfield and he's setting the edge. And sometimes that's exactly what the offense wants you to do. And if you can pick that out and instead of, uh, you know, running upfield and setting a kind of vertical edge, you can kind of squeeze that gap instead and remove space from uh, the, from where the, the run is attempting to go. A lot of power schemes will do this to you. Schemes like kind of what the Giants do, um, kind of the, the other alternative to what the Vikings do. Um, Jalen Phillips can kind of get himself out of position because it's a little bit more like he almost too often predetermines what he's going to do. He pass rushes with a plan and that's great, but he also uh, run defends with a plan and you have to be a little bit more reactive about that. Now, I think crucially and differently from like Aziz Ajilari, that's not a problem that keeps him off the field. It's one that might give up some plays that you don't want to give up, but it's not one that's going to keep Jalen Phillips off the field. So as he gets better and learns that kind of thing, you can keep him on the field every down. He can, you know, pass rush on first down and all that stuff. And you don't have to like start him off as a rotational guy and be patient about it. Uh, You know, that's patience the Vikings can't afford. And with Phillips, I don't think they'd have to. So if you do that and then you put in the medicals, where does he end up in relation to pay? So we'll talk about quitty pay in a second here, and then we'll kind of try to mash this all together and see if we can come up with a coherent take. Uh, But first, I want to talk to you about betting on the draft. You can bet 
on certain players and where they are going to go. So for example, you can bet Panay Sul over under pick five and a half. So if you pick over, that means, and it's like the selection number. So if he gets sixth, pick six, uh, that's over five and a half. So that's the over. I would go with the over. Here's the thing. I have a sneaky suspicion, and there's been some some reporting that Panay Sul is going to fall past the Bengals. Um, and I also have kind of a sneaky suspicion that they're going to be really, really into Jamar Chase and reuniting him with Joe Burrow and all that stuff. So basically, if you think Jamar Chase goes to the Bengals at five and Panay Sewell doesn't go to like the Falcons or whatever, nothing weird happens in the top three, you might want to bet over five and a half for Panay Sewell. And I did take that action. You can find bets and a whole bunch more like it at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. If you don't have an account, it's free to set one up. Uh, just go to betonline.ag, sign up, and on your first deposit, make sure you enter promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That will give you a 50% welcome bonus. That means half of whatever you put in, BetOnline will match for free and give you a credit to your account, and you'll be able to gamble with that as well. That's at BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So the genesis of this entire conversation about Pay is because he was my selection at pick 14 in the Odyssey Ultimate Locked On Mock Draft. If you want to know more about why he was available, why I picked him over somebody else, who else was available for me to choose, maybe you think I made the wrong choice, go listen to that and you can get analysis. Brian Baldinger broke down my pick. We also had breakdowns from the hosts, Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson, Locked On Wolverines. They've got all the college hosts weighing in on all this stuff as well. It is an awesome, awesome, awesome project. It is the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. You can find it on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, wherever you find your favorite shows. You don't want to miss out. This is the best mock draft you'll hear all year, trust me. So let's talk about Quiddy Pay and, and kind of why I like him. So when I did that uh, recording, and peek behind the curtain here, I did that recording like three weeks ago, and I didn't, I hadn't looked into Pay as much as I have now. I've looked into Pay a lot more since then, and I can kind of better articulate what I like so much about him. Um, obviously, there's the easy stuff. He's just this like stupid good athlete. Like he ran that infamous six, six uh, second three cone. I took that video. I, I loaded it into Adobe Premiere. I tried to find if there was anything fishy going on there. I couldn't find anything. I timed it out. I think it's legit. It is ridiculous agility. And also he plays with ridiculous agility. So even if you think, ah, maybe they like shaved, you know, two tenths off doing something nefarious, like he's his agility is ridiculous. It's some of the best agility I've ever seen. A six, six three cone, by the way, is like Julio Jones. Like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense for a dude that's like 256 pounds. His size, however, is mediocre. He's not a huge guy for an edge rusher. Um, he plays with plenty of power and, and all the agility and stuff, and it doesn't seem like that size is going to hold him back at all, but it is something to keep in mind. And I think, to me... What makes him a, a very safe player in my eyes? I, th I think he's a very, very safe pick. I don't see a lot of risk with Quidipe at all. And that a lot of that has to do with how he plays against the run. He knows what he's looking at. You know, we just talked about Jalen Phillips and how he goes on autopilot a little bit and he's not kind of playing reactively. And sometimes it's like, okay, my job is to, you know, get two steps upfield and set the edge and you can take advantage of that. Quiddy Pay knows what you are doing. He went up against kind of more read option type teams, RPO teams like the Gophers and, and Penn State. Uh, he went up against zone teams and, and that simulates very well the kinds of offenses he's going to see in the NFL. And he just seems like he's two steps ahead of those offenses. He always knows where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to do, what gap he's 
he's supposed to be in. If there is confusion at the mesh point that they're trying to do, if you're trying to be sneaky about play action, is it a run? Is it a pass? He always has the read on that. It seems like he has just watched so much of your tape and he knows what you're going to do before you do it. I think that is an incredible thing to come out of the NFL with. Against run plays, it's very much sniff it out, penetrate and destroy. Um, There's a lot of really good TFLs on Phillips's tape as well. I think Quiddy pays are a little bit more impressive because they really do seem like they are these, you know, deliberate deconstructions of a play that he already intricately understands. And then the agility and that natural athleticism takes over because he knows exactly where he's supposed to point it. And he doesn't predetermine what he's doing. Um, against the pass, it is definitely less good. And, and I think of all three of these, I think his pass rushing is probably the least complete. However, it is. It was the most productive. If you want to go by uh, PFF's pass rush win rate, his was the highest, and he generated a crap load of pressures, a bunch of sacks, and all that stuff. Like he got to the quarterback very, very well, in spite of these issues. Now, a lot of that was just because of athleticism, and will that translate to the NFL? I think that's a fair question. Um, but I think the real problem that we're contending with here is that he doesn't pass rush with a plan like Jalen Phillips does. You know, Jalen Phillips decides before the snap what he's going to do. Quiddy Pay does not, and. In the past, that hurts you a lot more than it does uh, in against particular run plays. Um, so you get a lot of these pass rush reps where Quiddy Pay just sort of engages with alignment and dies, and he just sort of like runs at the guy and doesn't really do anything. Um, I, there, I do have a suspicion that 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 might be something that is coached because sometimes your uh, overall pass rush strategy will just kind of say, you know, just hit that lineman and just keep him out of the way, or you know, just kind of occupy this spot and there's a spatial thing going on, um, but. Either way, you know, if that is the case, then you have to ask the question, well, can he if he were asked to, you know, pass rush more? And I think sometimes you get like his hands are really good and, and you'll see him kind of defeat the offensive lineman's hands. And then it's like when a dog catches its tail and you're like, oh, I didn't think I'd get this far. And he kind of freezes up. He doesn't know what to do. Um, and so I think that's something that you need to just kind of get some finish into him. And that's something that I think is a really easy thing to drill. I mean, that's something that you can absolutely fix with NFL coaching. That is not a thing that takes two years to develop. Um, and some Sometimes it doesn't even matter because sometimes, you know, you just getting around that guy and uh, putting pressure on the quarterback by just being past your guy, you can sometimes get a younger quarterback like that can count that can work as pressure and, and, and actually become production. Now, I would love to get a little bit of finish into him and I would love to get more pass rush moves. Sometimes he just tries to bend around the edge. PFF, I think, ac- accurately subs- uh, described it in their uh, draft guide. They just said he just kind of fires off and goes. So it's not a polished thing. It's not a very intense intentional thing, and there's a lot of room to to grow there, Um, and that's the biggest negative. But considering that in spite of all of that, he had the production that he did, it's hard to be too worried. And and I think this gets into the the crux of the the difference between Pay and Jalen Phillips for me, and it's a really difficult decision between these two. I think it's very, very close. And at a certain point, my take is probably going to be, give me either of them. I am totally fine with either of them, which is a weenie take. But it also, I mean, you know, if one of them's not there and the other one is, I'll take that, you know, gladly. If you're picking between both, it's kind of a difficult decision, but I don't know if there's a wrong one. You can have both of them be right answers. It sounds like a cop out, but it's fine. What if they both turn out and there wasn't really a wrong answer there? Now, I talk a lot about players as like a range of outcomes. You know, a guy isn't just uh, a B plus. He could be a C minus. He could be an A minus. And he's, you know, something in between. And the actual outcome you get is uh, just one of the many outcomes you could have gotten. That's how we have to kind of assess the uncertainty, the general uncertain nature of the draft and how 
often the draft surprises us. Everything is a range of outcomes, and if you can accurately identify the range and the probabilities of hitting, hitting certain parts in that range, then you can navigate it the best you can and hope luck falls on your side. And so if you want to talk about ceilings and floors with both Phillips and uh, and Quidipay, and honestly, Ajulari, I think they all have similar ceilings. They could all be superstars if everything breaks right for them, uh, you know, respectively. If Ajulari figures out enough run game to be an every-down player, if Quidi Pei figures out some more pass rushing moves, if Jalen Phillips work out, works out with his medicals, they could all be absolute superstars, 95 out of 100. Their floors, of course, is where it differs, and the the probability of achieving those things. So with Phillips and Pei, you know, Phillips and, and uh, the on-field floor of Phillips and the on-field floor of Pei I think are also kind of similar. I see them both as guys that could be a 75 and that's okay, you know, like a low end starter, a guy that you can put on the field and he's a starter, you can improve upon him eventually, but they're not going to be the reason you lose any games. And of course their ceilings are, they can be the reason that you've won games. But of course, Jalen Phillips has this other scenario. Part of is his probability, part of the calculus is this DEFCON 1 situation, this, you know, where he's a zero out of 100 because he retired after two games. I don't think the probability of that is very high. And again, the reasons for that, you can find this, the article in the show notes, but that probability isn't zero. And so it has to be part of the calculus. So even if you are taking a fairly low risk, it's a low risk of a catastrophic outcome. And with Quiddy Pay, I think the odds of him realizing like a higher part of his range are lower than the odds of Jalen Phillips realizing a higher part of his range. And that might be enough for you to justify taking Jalen Phillips over Quiddy Pay. And I certainly wouldn't scream in your face and tell you you were wrong. I think that's a perfectly valid way to look at it. But for me, because I still see the odds for Quiddy Pay to hit a higher part of his range as very high, if I had to bet right now, if he would be like a good, you know, a top 20 edge rusher or not, I would take the over on that pretty emphatically. I'm that high on Pay. I think he can absolutely be a guy that takes over games sometimes, especially if he learns pass rush moves. And there's also something to be said about like, wow, he's this unpolished and producing this much. What happens when he is polished? And can he become polished? Can you teach him pass rush moves? But even if you don't, He's still a player that can absolutely be somebody for you. And so when it comes to like, what am I risking? What am I putting on the table? What chips are in the pot? I don't really know why I need to risk DEFCON 1, the guy retired, even if the risk of that is low. I don't know if I need to risk that when there's a, a prospect that is I'm similarly optimistic about who also doesn't carry that same risk. So if both Pay and Phillips are on the board... I'm going to take Quiddy Pay because it seems like he has a, a higher floor and also a higher ceiling if I had to nitpick about it because he's already producing this much and he can learn so much more and he has the crazy agility and all that stuff. Not that Jalen Phillips' ceiling isn't also high. I just think Pay's is a little bit higher and he definitely has a higher floor because Jalen Phillips has all of these question marks kind of dragging him down. If Quiddy Pay is not there and Jalen Phillips is at 14, I'm absolutely taking Jalen Phillips at 14. I think if I'm choosing between the two, again, you if you disagree with me and you think Phillips over Pay, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I think both of these can be right answers. And if we end up with one of these guys, I'm going to be very, very, very happy. If I had to choose, I'd pick Quiddy Pay, but I have to split hairs pretty hard to do that. And ultimately, 
the question becomes, would you take both of these guys at 14? And the answer is an emphatic yes. I don't see either of these guys as nearly as raw as they've been advertised, as raw as I thought they were when I recorded for the Odyssey mock draft. Both of these guys, I think, are pro-ready enough to start on day one and have room to grow beyond that. That is exactly what you want. For a mid-first-round pick, a guy that can come in, play well enough to justify getting on the field, and later down the road have a sky-high ceiling, that's somebody that pick 14 is worth, especially at a premium position like edge rusher and one that the Vikings need. I do want to talk about the other guys in the in the class, the Joseph Osai's, Peyton Turner's, Carlos Basham's, uh, and kind of try to get a sense for those. I don't have a great sense for those edge rushers. I want to talk about that tomorrow or next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings, and I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.